and welcome to Rewire with Duchess Dale. Whether you're a baby boomer or a baby zoomer, a millennial or an elder ally, enjoying retirement or planning ahead, this podcast provides tips and information that turn into inspiration for living your best life. And now, here's our host, Duchess. Hello and welcome to episode number 21, TLC. Can you believe that today is the last Wednesday of the month? I mean, we had five episodes this month, not to mention Thanksgiving, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday, and now today it is Wisdom Wednesday, although I kind of consider every Wednesday with our podcast a Wisdom Wednesday, where we invite you to take the information that we share and turn it into inspiration for creating your best life right now. No more of the, someday my prince will come. That mindset, not anymore, because I want to remind you that someday is not an official day of the week. Today, right now, this moment is the precise time to change your thinking and change your life. And many of us, as we get older, need to change how we perceive and respond to life and to each other. This month of November is National Family Caregivers Month. It began at the first of the month, ends tomorrow on the 30th. And the theme this year is Caregivers Connect. So even if you may not be or need a caregiver, you probably know of someone who is, and you know what an immensely important role caregivers play. So it's a focus today on caregivers and how to support and appreciate them. And there are a few tips that I got from the caregiveraction.org website, such as take care of your own health so that you're strong enough to take care of the person that you work for or your loved ones. Always remember to schedule some respite time and breaks for yourself. How about you accept some offers of help or suggest specific things that other people can do to help you as you need it in the role of caregiver. Organize medical information so it's up to date and easy to find as well as any legal documents that might be necessary. And an important one is seek support from other caregivers because no one else knows what it's like to be a caregiver than another caregiver to remind you that you are not alone. So you can get more information and support from www.caregiveraction.org. And in the interim, try a few of these tips. These are valuable tips for all of us. And give yourself credit for doing the best you can in one of the toughest jobs there is. And you can always, always reach out to the Aging and Long-Term Services Department. There is a group within that called Aging and Disability Resources Center. And that is contactable. Is contactable a word? Hmm. We're going to find out, or I'll have cards and letters coming in. <laughs> it's, but you can contact the ADRC at 1-800-432-2080 as a primary resource for finding the other resource that you or a loved one may need.
I want to remind you that we are still in open enrollment for Medicare. This option ends on December 7th, so you have a little bit more time to be able to go online and review to ensure that your healthcare needs are taken care of in your program. Just as your healthcare needs change from year to year, so do Medicare plans. And not all options offer the same benefits. That varies even within different zip codes. So particularly, if you moved last year, you want to review and make sure your plan matches your needs or see if you can choose another plan and save money. Now, you go online to Medicare.gov or you can even visit our Aging and Long-Term Services Department website. It's really easy. It's one of the first little links on the front of the page. Both options will just give you a way to review your plans. There is no sales pitch whatsoever. It's not like the hundreds of mail pieces you're getting or commercials you see trying to sell you a plan. These two options are simply there to let you review and make your best choice. Now, here are some tips to look for while you're shopping for Medicare coverage. Check to be sure your preferred doctors are still in network. Make sure your prescriptions are on the drug plan's list of covered drugs. Consider how the plan's deductible or any other out-of-pocket costs factor into the plan's total costs. Then you get to review. And then if you find that your current coverage still meets your needs, yay. And if you're happy with that, then you're all set. If you're not, or you want to investigate more, you can contact the State Health Insurance Assistance Program, known as SHIP, and you can even listen to episode number 18 of this podcast, where Captain Chris Winteroud, head of the SHIP department in New Mexico, talks about how easy it is to review your Medicare plan, even lets you know that there are some YouTube videos that you can follow. So you can go online to medicare.gov and look for the right option for you. And if you choose a new option for 2024, it's easy to enroll and it begins on January 1st. Anna Yarrow is a photographer, writer, mother, student, and a professional caregiver. Today, she and I are going to talk all about that and including her latest rewiring as a playwright this year. Welcome, Anna. I'm so thrilled that you're taking time out to meet with us. As you probably know, it is National Caregivers Month, and I thought it was really important and wonderful to be able to talk to someone who actually does caregiving for a living, as well as all the other things that you do. Share with us what that's like. Thank you for having me, Duchess. Uh, I work as a caregiver three days a week for a lovely gentleman in Los Alamos who is 93 years old. And I have been with him for the past five years. We're very close friends and buddies. Sometimes it feels like work, but a lot of the time it doesn't. It just feels like life and play and communication and companionship. Did you work as a caregiver before you started working with this gentleman? My very first job in my teens was working in a 
retirement community was a 17-story building with 300 residents. I worked in the kitchen uh, cooking, and I worked in the communal dining room as a server. So I was not a one-on-one caregiver, but I saw lots of caregivers and sometimes assisted them. So maybe the seed was planted there. Um, I, I did love being in that environment surrounded by older people. In Santa Fe, I worked as a nanny. I did child care, sometimes for five or seven different families during a week. I was an artist in residence on Canyon Road, exhibiting my artwork, but I still had to pay to live there. I didn't receive any financial support. I was working seven days a week to support my art. (laughs) 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 So that was not, not sustainable. When I moved to Los Alamos in 2018, I looked for childcare work. I looked for any work. <laughs> Most of the jobs were very low paying, even $11, $12 an hour. I just didn't see how I could make ends meet as a single mom. Fell into caregiving by chance, some might say, or not. <laughs> My client's son put an advertisement on Facebook asking for a hiking and skiing companion for his father. And three people mentioned the notice to me, and three different people mentioned me to the son. Altogether, six people recommended that my client, who I call the mountaineer, should meet. And as we say, they were right. First of all, that's a great story. And the seed does sound like it was planted early. And I'm comforted because it gives at least a positive story about Facebook, which is not always the case these days when you hear about social media, but it does serve to link people up at the right time in the right way. I'd love for you to tell me about the artist in residency, because as I said in the introduction, you're a writer, you're a photographer, you're a poet, etc. Tell me a little bit more about that. To go back a little bit, uh, I became a photographer while living in the Middle East, uh, in the Sultanate of Oman, um, and also in Africa, in South Africa. I had worked as a professional photographer for many years. And when I moved to Santa Fe, it was a very competitive place. And I didn't want to step on people's toes. I didn't want to take the business from photographers who had been there for decades. That's why I didn't feel comfortable promoting myself and starting a photography business. And I was ready for a change. So I had curated exhibitions at museums in Oman. And photography is really my passion, my heart, my first love. I'm a visual thinker. So I like connecting with the world on a visual sensory level and being able to share that perspective of my experience in the world. (laughs) I applied for the artist residency in Santa Fe, and my dream for many years had been to live in an old historical adobe with a fireplace Mm -hmm. and wooden floors and, you know, the whole dream if you're an artist the Georgia O'Keeffe fantasy. (laughs) 
for two years, I did get to live it. It was absolutely incredible. It was everything that I ever dreamed of. They kept raising the rent and I just couldn't couldn't survive. That was kind of a hard hit having to leave that. I, I felt like I lived the dream briefly, but that somehow I had failed and I didn't know what to do next. The struggling artist story, but what I know of you now is that your artistry is booming, not only with what we'll get to in a moment about the uh, Mountaineer. I, I do follow you on Facebook, so I see your beautiful photography and the poems that you share. I'm pleased to hear that the artist in you is still surviving and thriving, even though there may have been all of these changes going on. Let's jump to the Mountaineer. You told us how you got the gig, and now you've been with him five years. What is now your new rewiring as playwright, the play World Beautiful? Can you tell us about that? Yes. The first time I met him, we sat down at a round, dark wooden table in his dining room. He conducted an interview. And I think pretty much from the start, we just felt a connection. I, I came away from that first conversation thinking, you know what? I think this could work. It was just a hunch. And he felt the same way. I'm six foot tall. I'm very strong. I'm a capable, strong woman, which is a desirable characteristic and a caregiver for someone who's getting weaker. I think definitely the strength versus weakness piece was significant. But he also said fairly early on, I like your brain. I think for most of my life, I'd gotten by using my youth or using my beauty or using my artistic talents to my advantage to get along in the world. But no one had ever said to me, I like your brain. I didn't even know really what that meant at that point. As he got older, as he started getting weaker, I went to UNM Los Alamos and took a caregiving course to get my CNA certification so that I would know how to care for him as he declined. The CNA class took place in a room that was filled with props for the EMT class, which sparked my interest. So I decided to enroll. I did my EMT training in 2020 in the heart of the pandemic, which was an incredibly empowering experience. I think training in Española, arriving at an accident scene and standing literally shoulder to shoulder with firemen, police officers, paramedics was just so empowering and greatly increased my confidence and running towards the disaster. And that took courage. <laughs> exactly. It, it took tremendous courage and being with people in their vulnerability and on their, their darkest days and lending a helping hand changed me significantly. I have not become an actual EMT. That was my plan B uh, in case my client passed away during the pandemic. But 
he's still alive and well. <laughs> and we, we still have a great time together. That's so impressive. I love the fact that it, I'm hearing sort of the left brain and the right brain and the holistic side of who you are, because it's not just your art. It's not just the classes you're taking or the job you have. It's really encompassing a bigger picture. Could you share with us what is both either the hardest part of being a caregiver and then also your favorite part? I think the hardest part is when he has medical challenges, which affect him physically, mentally, emotionally. If I arrive at work and I see he's disoriented or something is wrong, what, what is it? And you never know, is it going to be the big one? That is there going to be the end? I think that in the early years, he had a lot of ups and downs in terms of medical scares and trips to urgent care, trips to the ER, stays in the hospital. I was constantly in a state of grieving, you know, pre-preemptive grieving, because he's pretty much become my closest friend. We've spent over 5,500 hours together. Hmm. And much of that out in nature, walking and skiing and picnicking and talking and just being together in a deep and intrinsic sense that I've never experienced with anyone else. Now I can see how he got the name The Mountaineer as well. <laughs> if you're doing all those things together, that it sounds like, I know you said you thought there might have been an early exit there. And yet I believe that part of your energy, skill, and compassion and passion is supportive to him in a way that gave him a little more reason to stay as healthy and strong as is possible to share this with you. Yes, I believe that too. When I first met him, he said his life expectancy was one to two years and now it's been more than five years, and he still says one to two years. <laughs> how did this wonderful relationship that has grown and deepened, how did it turn into a stage play? <laughs> I realized early on that he's a very interesting character. He has a big, white, bushy beard. He wears glasses from the 1950s that he's worn <laughs> ever since the 1950s. He wears plaid shirts and hiking boots and he carries hiking poles or ski poles at all times to help with his balance. He's just himself. Out of anyone on the planet, he's himself. And <laughs> our conversations are very entertaining. We we laugh, we cry, we argue. There's just a very lively connection there. And I thought, I don't want to keep it to myself. I think other people might enjoy, be entertained and benefit from his wisdom too. I asked his permission to write down our conversations starting in 2018. At this point, I've probably amassed over 400 pages of our conversations. And I've been taking photographs of him and of our adventures this whole time too. I don't know how many, tens of thousands of images. 
<laughs> so it was way too much, <laughs> too much material. I had to cut it down, cut it down, cut it down to fit within about a 90 minute theater production. But I think I nailed it. Like <laughs> I, I'm very, very proud of uh, the piece I've created called The World Beautiful, which is a journey through the seasons with the mountaineer that includes images and original music that I wrote and sang and played keyboard as well. Oh, I forgot to add that to the introduction, but I'm glad we can address that now. You are a woman of many hats. That's how my family always talked about it. If you had so many activities, hobbies, jobs, et cetera, you, you have so many different hats. Is there a hat, a rewiring in your future that's on your list to accomplish? I am close to achieving two associate's degrees from the University of New Mexico here in Los Alamos. I'm getting a degree in emergency medical services and liberal arts as well. And I do plan to switch to a bachelor's in something or multiple somethings. I don't know yet. So that will be my my next goal will be to continue my studies. I was like listening to you. I feel like, oh, man, I got to get out there and do stuff. You're an amazing woman. Are there any tips or tricks that you do to take care of yourself? Because I know that caregivers, whether it's a family member or someone that is employed as a caregiver, self-care is sometimes the thing that gets ignored because you're so focused on your client, your patient, your loved one. What is it that you do that nourishes you? The most crucial element for me is I try to schedule what I call an Anna day Mm. uh, once a week, if possible, if not every other week or at certain times once a month. And an Anna day is a day in which I do not talk to anyone. (laughs) I may sit on the couch, I may stay in bed, I may read, I may go for a walk. It's just absolutely decompression time where I, I don't do schoolwork and I just desperately need that rest. And then usually I wake up the next day and I'm full of energy and go, go, go again. I think that's sound advice, even for someone who's not a caregiver, because particularly in our current society with the onslaught of the to-do list, the social media, the news, the, 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 all the devices that we have, the idea of having a day of self-care and self-silence to decompress, I think would be really a good personal sabbatical for all of us. And you're giving me inspiration <laughs> to begin to do that myself. I know that you've got a production coming up for World Beautiful in February of next year, 2024, in Los Alamos. I would be happy to post that and maybe even have a second interview before the show and uh, talk to the Mountaineer or however we want to do it as a way to let more people know, since this podcast is primarily for New Mexicans. I think it'd be great. I want to thank you enormously for taking the time. I'm glad this wasn't an Anna day and taking the time to share with us, share with me the the depth and breadth 
of your being, which is so impressive, so inspirational. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, Duchess. Thank you, Anna. It was great to have you as our guest today to close out National Caregivers Month. And because your life and work is such an inspiration to me about how we can all rewire. You work as a caregiver, you're a full-time student going back for a degree, you're a professional photographer, and now a playwright. It's wonderful inspiration. And I want to let listeners know that there will be another performance of The World Beautiful, next year, February 18th at a theater in Los Alamos. And I will be giving more information about that show as we get closer to that date. I'm also hoping that people paid attention to something else you said in the interview that I found inspirational. And that was about the value of taking a break, an Anna day. And I think that is something critical for caregivers, but so essential for all of us. Now, and Anna Day for you is where you don't have external obligations and requirements. You do what you need to do for self-care. And I used to do something like that that I called a bundle day because I would bundle myself up in my pajamas and my robe and I could stay in bed all day and I could read or I could binge watch TV or take naps, whatever I wanted. And then that thing called the pandemic hit and I found I was taking far too many bundle days. I was in my jammies and robe way too often. However, I think it's important to revisit that practice, but now I'm going to give it a new name. And that's where today's daily word doo, 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 comes into play. And this word is Herkle Durkle. Yes, you heard me right. Herkle Durkle. It's not a comic name, even though it sounds like the cartoon series that my mother loved when I was a kid called Heckle and Jekyll. This is a Scottish term which means to lounge around in bed long after one should have gotten up. So now I am going to reinstate Herkle Durkle days into my life. Author Anne Lamott writes, quote, So many indignities are involved in aging, and yet so many graces, too. End quote. So I'm hoping that you grace yourself with a Herkle Durkle day and that you grace us by joining next week on Rewire. Our show is sponsored by the Aging and Long-Term Services Department of New Mexico. You can contact that department by calling 1-800-432-2080 or online at www.aging. Dot nm dot gov. Our original music is written by New Mexico's own Lydia Clark. Join us next week on your favorite streaming platform. Till then, remember to reconnect, recommit, and rewire. We've got information and inspiration.